National Headquarters of the Sword of the Lord Publishers and Ministries here in downtown Murfreesboro, Tennessee, in the greater Nashville area, in the heart of Tennessee, with Tennessee and the world at heart, this is Making a Difference, and I'm Dr. Shelton Smith, and we welcome you today. Delighted to have you along with us. We get together here five days a week on this station right at this same time, and we are indeed delighted that you've joined us today. Now, I'm in Lexington, Kentucky today for the National Church Growth Conference at the Clays Mill Baptist Church, and I look forward to seeing many of our friends there. It's a great meeting, great opportunity for God's people to get together in fellowship, and I trust that I will see you there. Now, we've been looking for the last little bit at some things from 1 Corinthians that I've just called orders from headquarters, and we've looked at the details of how just looking at the problems, looking at the promises, looking at the precautions, I mean, a variety of things that are laid out here in this book. And now we've come to the point where we're looking at some very peculiar things, and I use that term in the same way that it's employed in the Bible. Whenever First Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 says that God's people are a peculiar people, it just means that they are definitively different, that they have distinguished themselves by following the Lord's directives and doing what he says that we ought to do. Now, today we're going to look at another little handful of these details, and all of these details do distinguish us and help us to shed the old worldly lifestyle and the worldly images that we may have had when we were unconverted and living in the world. Now, we're going to begin today at chapter 8 and verse 9, where the Bible says that we are to take heed, lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. Now, the principle here is simply this. Whenever you and I become a Christian, we do have liberty. That liberty is the freedom that we have because we have been made free from the penalty of sin, and we have been given the liberty to follow the Lord and to take directions from Him. And whenever we do that, obviously it means that we are alert to what Satan may throw at us. It means that we are looking carefully so as to not identify with the worldly culture but instead, we are looking carefully at how we may follow the Lord. Now, this passage says there are other people around us, and they are watching us. And some of them are not strong Christians. They are weak, and they need the influence of those of us who have matured some. And we need to be alert to the fact that we may, by our influence, either take them up or take them down. They may grow or they may fail to grow based on how you and I exercise the liberty that we have in Christ. And whenever you do as you ought to do, take orders from the Lord and follow the Lord, then you will be doing that which is a building block and not a stumbling block. And he just says here, don't be a stumbling block to those that are weak. And whenever you and I say, oh, I can do whatever I want to, I mean, I can do this, I can do that, there's nothing wrong with it, and I'll just do whatever pleases me. Well, sometimes our preferences leave a lot to be desired. And whenever we go and do things that may lead other people down the wrong path, that is a misuse of the liberty that we have in Christ. Now, let's look at a second one of these things that the world would look at and would say, well, uh, somewhat peculiar, but uh, we'll listen to it anyway here. This is one of those things that the world would look at and say, this is a bit peculiar. 
But you and I look at it and we say it's the Lord's instruction. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23 that says, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. So, you know, you and I can have a lot of freedom. We can do a lot of things. I like that verse that tells me to delight thyself in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. You know, whenever I delight in the Lord, it does impact my desires. And therefore, his delight, my desires, and then I can do some things that I want to do. The Lord is not going to make a robot out of me. He lets me have choice. He lets you have choice. And along the way, you and I have to look carefully, even though you might say, oh, yes, it's totally legal, totally lawful, totally within the range of things that I could do. But if it does not edify other people, again, it's a matter of us using the liberty that we have in Christ in a wise, helpful way so that others are impacted in a positive way. Now, the next one of these, talking about just things that are viewed as uh, particular and, uh, and somewhat peculiar, perhaps, is found in chapter 11 and verse 14. Now, folks, I'm going to alert you here. This is in the Bible. I am reading from the Bible, and I don't want you to jump ship here, but I want you to know this is in the Bible, and it's here for a reason. It says, Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? Now, the world looks at that, and they say, Oh, man, that is weird. That is strange. No, it's not weird, and it's not strange. It just is a way in which we have of following the Lord's direction, following the Lord's orders, and distinguishing ourselves in the process. That is the way it ought to be. And whenever you and I realize that men ought to distinguish their appearance in such a way that they are indeed identifiable as masculine, and women ought to do the same thing in regard to their femininity, and that's all laid out here in this chapter. And you and I can do that, and we ought to do that. And uh, sometimes people will say, well, how long is long? Well, it doesn't say I think it gives us credit for having the common sense to figure that out. And I don't think any of us, if we are really, really honestly looking to follow the Lord, I don't think any of us are going to struggle over what long is and what short is. We will know that, and we'll have that figured out easily enough. But the Bible says that men ought to go the short route on their hair, and the very next verse says that the women ought to go the long route. And again, even with the ladies, it doesn't identify long and short, but it ought to be sufficient so that if it's a lady, her femininity is obvious. If it's a man, his masculinity is obvious. Now, may be peculiar. It may be one of those things that the world will say, well, that's awfully weird. Well, look, we're not patterning after the rock and roll crowd. We are not building ourselves after the hippie culture. But instead, we're taking orders from headquarters, taking orders from the Lord. And this is in the Bible. And let's don't forget that it's there. Now, go to chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians and look at verse 13. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Greeks, whether we be bond or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. Now, here's the deal on this. Sometimes folks make a mistake whenever they think the baptism of the Spirit and the filling of the Spirit are uh, the same thing. It's not the same thing. And uh, to put it in the terms, uh, if you have a Schofield Bible, 
uh, it will be stated like this, and this is one time where I agree wholeheartedly with C.I. Schofield, but he says about the uh, matters of being filled with the Spirit and the baptism of the Spirit, one baptism, many fillings. And you remember Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18 talks about us being filled with the Spirit. Well, those fillings can happen over and over and over again. But whenever we come to Christ, we are placed into the body We are placed into the family of God, and that's called here being baptized by the Spirit into one body. That is one event. It happens at your conversion, and you have the Spirit of God placed inside of you at the time that you're converted. So if you're looking to, quote, be baptized by the Spirit, you're looking for something that you're not going to get except at your conversion. It's not a second work of grace, but it's something indeed that is done at the point in time where we are truly converted, and that is the case laid out here very clearly in the Bible. Notice it, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, by one Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit, are we baptized into one body. That simply means we're placed into the body, into the Lord's body, into the Lord's family, and that is the way it's laid out here in the Bible. It may not fit your denominational nuances. In fact, it may run counter to what you've heard or to what some people are teaching you, but I'm just telling you, this is what's in the Bible. Now, let's go one step further here and look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse number 8. This verse is also one that sometimes gets uh, kicked around a little bit. It says, Charity never faileth, but whether they be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether they be tongues, they shall cease. Whether they be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Now, some folks try to make a case here that uh, the speaking in tongues is a continuing thing in today's world. But to start with, chapters 12, 13, and 14 are all corrective. They are corrective in the sense that the Corinthian church was really faking what they had heard about happening in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, Acts chapter 2, the Lord gave supernaturally the gift of speaking in real languages, known human languages, so that the gospel could be preached to all of those foreigners that were in Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost. And that resulted, as you may remember, in 3,000 people being saved. Well, this carnal Corinthian church, I mean, this church that was doing almost everything wrong at this point, They wanted to replicate what had happened in Jerusalem, and it's pretty obvious they were faking it, and they were not getting the job done. They did not have a real gift of languages for the preaching of the gospel. So what he says here is, all of that will cease, and indeed it did cease. And only in recent times, in the last hundred years or so, has there been an upsurge of this, and it is not replicating Acts chapter 2, But in every sense of the word, it is a replication of what happened in Corinth. And folks, I don't mean to discourage you, but I want you to know that is the way it's laid out in the Bible, and that is the way it actually is. Whenever we say that we have a gift from the Lord, it ought to be legitimate, and it ought not to be something that somebody is faking. Now, one more of these, and it's in chapter 14 and verse 40, where it says, "...let all things be done decently." and in order. That may seem like a very standard statement, but I'm telling you, in today's economy, there's a lot of folks that need to read that and need to heed it, because even in churches all across the land, 
I mean, the upheaval, the kind of unfortunate things that are going on, I mean, where you just can't make heads nor tails out of it, where it makes no sense whatsoever, where that there's just constant, constant upheaval that just doesn't need to be. And we need instead to get on track here and to know that things need to be done orderly. They need to be done decently. They need to be done in a way that honors the Lord and makes every single service one that is indeed a glory to God as well as something that contributes to the good of the people that are there. So we have all of these things stated here and laid out, and they sometimes put pressure on our preferences. They put pressure on how we've been taught. They put pressure on how we may feel about things. And the result of that is, I'm just asking you, if you have a clear teaching from the Bible, as we do on these things I've just noted, what are we willing to do about it? Are we willing to yield to the authority of the Word of God and set aside whatever denominational pressures there may be, set aside whatever things that may not measure up to Scripture? That's what I'm asking you about today, and I trust it'll be a help to you. It may seem a little peculiar, but actually it's the kind of peculiarity that will differentiate us and will distinguish us as real, true servants of the Lord. And that is where we ought to head. Well, look, I'm delighted that you've been along today, and I trust that you'll join me again tomorrow. We'll look forward to that. In the meantime, I'd love to hear from you, so do write me a note. Write to me, Dr. Shelton Smith, at P.O. Box 1099, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, 37133. The email address is radio at swordofthelord.com. Until tomorrow, God bless you. Have a good rest of the day, and goodbye for now.